something to say. Hello everybody and welcome to this episode of Project Shadow. My name is Charlie. You might know me better as sci-fi fantasy writer C.E. Dorset. And my cold is not letting up. <laughs> In fact, I actually feel a bit worse today than I did yesterday. But I have decongestants on me, so I'm not as awfully nasal as I was yesterday. Hopefully. Okay. Um, so... I'm sorry for the quality of my voice. Hopefully I will get through this soon. I'm going to get the podcast recorded and then I'm going to have another wellness tea and probably nap a bit. So yesterday, Brian and I rented Venom because we had heard so many things about this movie that we just had to see it. And I wish Brian were here to talk about it because I have so many thoughts about this film. I would like to begin by saying, you know, first of all, I will warn you before we go into spoiler territory. So if you want to be unspoiled about Venom, hopefully you've never seen an action movie before. But um, I, I will definitely let you know before we go into spoiler territories. Um, the other thing that I wanted to say is I will probably say quite a few positive things about the movie while talking about it today. Please do not construe my positive statements about Venom as an endorsement of this film, films like it, or its overall quality. I understand why it got a lot of uh, hate. I understand why... A lot of reviewers did not like this movie. Completely get that. I completely get that. And I also have the unfair benefit of having watched it on my television rather than in a theater. And I don't think the theater experience would have made the film better. It, I think it would have actually... I think waiting to watch it at home on my home set actually improved some of the issues with the CG because, you know, it looked a little rough on my television. I could only imagine if it were stretched out over a film screen, <laughs> a giant film screen, how it would have looked. Yeah. Overall, I have to say I enjoyed this movie, but I didn't like it. I enjoyed it a lot. And when the price goes down, I will probably buy it and rewatch it. But that does not make it a good movie. That does not make it a good movie at all. Um, first of all, I have to say, if this movie had come out 10, 15 years ago, in the same quality that it's in now, it probably would have been heralded as a good superhero movie. And that, that's, I think, one of the weirdest things about it. And I've heard other people say this, so I'm not going to belabor this point too much, but it really does feel like a pre-Marvel Cinematic Universe superhero movie in so many ways. Like, it 
feels like it should have come out when Blade and Spawn and all of those movies came out. That, like, if it were in theaters with Blade and Spawn and um, Blank Man and, you know, the old Fantastic Four movie before Fanforstic, it would have probably gotten much better reviews. Because it really does feel like a film out of that era. And that was one of the weirdest things about watching it, is it felt like I was watching a late 90s, early 2000s superhero flick that somehow I had missed and was only now catching up on. The way they paced out the story felt very pre, you know, Marvel Cinematic Universe. The way the characters were portrayed definitely felt like they were pre-Marvel Cinematic Universe, because one of the things that Marvel has done fairly well is they've been rather unapologetic about the weirdness of the source material. And I feel like this film, like those earlier movies, was very apologetic about its source material. That, like, yeah, we're, we're doing a movie about alien goo, and how that alien goo takes over people's bodies, and then that alien goo allows them to fight. Yeah, it 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 felt oddly older than it is. And because I've been a fan of superhero movies since I was a kid, it, in a strange way, kind of hit that nostalgia button for me. And like I said, it felt like, you know, something that should have existed alongside Blade and Spawn and, you know, the original fan Fantastic Four movies with Captain America as Johnny Storm. Because, yeah, that happened. The acting is, uh, well, people showed up and got a paycheck, with the exception of Tom Hardy. Tom Hardy, I... I have a weird theory about Tom Hardy and that's that people tell him something about the character and he fixates on it. And that becomes the end all and be all of that character for him and his portrayal of that character. And don't take me, take this wrong, but I said this at the very beginning of the movie and having seen the whole thing, I, I feel like it holds up. They told him that Deadpool was very popular and that Eddie Brock was from Brooklyn. And so he kind of does a Ryan Reynolds from Brooklyn impersonation through the movie in a way. Like if you listen to like how he pitches his voice and how he pronounces certain things, it's, I can't help but hear like weird echoes of Deadpool with a Brooklyn accent in this movie but not as funny. It's it's a, it's a strange, strange flick that obviously was originally shot to be R-rated, and then they backed off on that, and that adds to some of the weirdness. Like, I mean, people get their heads cut off and there's no blood. I mean, yeah, it, it feels oddly cartoony to be as dark an adult as it is, and it goes right up to the line that 
Zack Snyder and the DCEU crossed. But it doesn't... I, I don't feel like it goes over it. Like, it is... It is an overly self-serious movie. And the things that... It, it does, at one point, take time to have fun with itself. I, I thought Venom was hilarious. I, I thought... A lot of his one-liners, they cracked me up. I, I, I'm not going to speak to how this relates to the Venom from the comics, just because they are definitely going after their own origin story for Venom that is completely divorced from Spider-Man. So, yeah. I mean, it, it, it's... I'm not even going to... I'm not even going to go there, and... Some people will probably come after this movie hard. Like, if you're a big fan of Venom from the comics, I, I can see where your problems are, but I am not 100% sure that anybody making this movie really understood that this was based on comics. They just got a script and a paycheck and showed up and delivered their lines. And then they went home and somebody had to edit it all together. That really feels like the amount of effort that went into this. And, yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I enjoyed it. If, if you're able to kind of turn your brain off and just kind of go for the... I, I don't think they intended it to be a comedy, but I thought it was a funny movie. I don't know if half the things that I laughed at were intended to be funny, but... If you go into this thinking that it's going to be funny, you'll probably you might enjoy it. If you have a warped and twisted sense of humor, I enjoyed it. My husband enjoyed it. Again, not saying it's a good movie by any stretch of the imagination. So I'm going to go into spoilers now. If you do not want Venom to be spoiled, and somehow after all this time you have not been spoiled on Venom, now's the time to check out because I will be talking about the events of the film in detail. The most amazing thing about this movie to me is how much they wanted you to be personally invested in the character of Eddie Brock. They really wanted you to connect with him because I don't feel like they actually made any effort to make us to make the audience like him. They don't portray him as likable at all, but they spend so much time and so much of this movie's runtime is Eddie Brock, super reporter, doing super reportery things and his relationship with his fiance and his not understanding that he screws her over when he hacks. Well, yeah, he te technically legally hacks into her laptop. He knows her password. He signs in. He reads her emails and uses that to go after. I don't even think names ma matter right now. Elon Musk number five. Because <laughs> the Life Institute is one of the, the most bizarre things that I've ever seen. And Riz Ahmed deserved a much better part <laughs> than he got in this movie. Uh, okay, but uh, seriously, like half the film's runtime is about Eddie. 
And you have stuff happening in the background. You have Riot moving from body to body and does kill some people in a Malaysian market and is just kind of this thing moving across the country. I wish they had taken more advantage of uh, when Riot was in The Little Girl. I think they could have gotten some real creepy stuff out of that, but they didn't. They did nothing with that. Just like when Venom, there's one part where they, they give them a very easy deus ex machina to deal with the symbiotes, that there's a sound frequency that, you know, hurts them and is capable of killing them. And when I say this deus ex machina, I say that because it's so easy to do that, like, a person without any technical skills is able to do it twice at pivotal points in the movie. Just because she knows it's a thing. And so she is able to do this and it, it doesn't play well. I don't think it's kind of like, you know, when, I mean, they're very upfront that like, this is their kryptonite and they actually use that phrase. And I have to say, if you're not doing a Superman movie, maybe not invoke Kryptonite. Because, yeah, I get the shorthand of it. Like, this is the one thing that can easily defeat them and bring them down. But it feels really out of place in, especially a movie about, you know, Black Space Knot and the things that it does. It's weird. Um, but yeah, so at one point, his ex-fiancee at this point, who is very, okay, this is where, like, I'm sorry, I'm going to get sidetracked for a minute here. It felt, the relationship between him and his ex-fiancee felt so Santa Claus 2 to me that I just almost couldn't deal with it. Because, you know, you know, if you've seen these movies, if you've seen the Santa Claus movies, you know, the Tim Allen Santa Claus movies and the first one, he and his ex-wife have this very um, antagonistic relationship. And then in the second one, like, he's Santa Claus, so all wounds are healed. Like, he got her an easy bake oven, so everything's better. They kind of do the whole Santa Claus 1 and 2 on, like, the flip of a coin in this movie because they're in love. She hates him. She's dating another dude. She will do anything to save him. Like the, the emotional swings that their relationship goes through in this movie at the, you know, tip of a hat is insane. And I feel like that needs to be said, especially before we go to our break and come back to discuss the rest of this film thing. We'll be right back. And we're back. So yeah, his weird relationship with his girlfriend is one of the strange ex-girlfriend, ex-fiance thing is one of the strangest parts of this movie. And like I said, it feels very like they squish Santa Claus one and two together because by the, like she hates him. He's terrible. She risks her life to save him. And then at the end, they're just talking to each other. And apparently she's still with her the other guy. And I mean, you get a funny moment of venom, you know, saying 
you know, she's talking like she doesn't know that we're going to end up together. You know, and yeah, that's funny. Okay, ha 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 ha. But yeah, it's it's weird. But I don't want to be too hyper focused on their relationship because if I were to say their relationship makes no sense, ergo the movie doesn't make any sense. Well, then I, I would have to throw the whole movie out because nothing in the movie really makes sense. They don't spend any time trying to explain anything to you except for the motivations of their Elon Musk analog who apparently hates people and he's a Malthusian, which we've talked about on the show so much because it's such a common trope now to make your villain a Malthusian. For those of you who don't know that term, a Malthusian is somebody who believes that overpopulation is going to, you know, bring harm and collapse to the world. You know, there's no actual empirical evidence of that because the more people there are, the more productivity there is. And we, you know, like right now we make enough food to feed everybody on the planet. We just don't because capitalism, you know, it's not economically viable for these companies to spread the food out. So we just throw it away and let it waste. But we could feed everybody if we wanted to. And that's been a big part of the way the world works, you know, as the population increases, productivity increases and the Malthusian dilemma that we will at some point, you know, have more people than we can take care of only occurs in the realm of artificial scarcity created by, you know, corporate greed. But for some reason, our villain is a Malthusian who's also really into climate change. Like we've destroyed the environment and we're overpopulating the world. So I'm going to put a whole bunch of greenhouse gases in the air to constantly shoot rockets into space so that I can make things better. Okay. You know, I get it that he's like a doctor or something, but if he really cared that much, he would at least have done what the actual Elon Musk did and like, you know, build solar panels and batteries and whatnot to try to fix the problem. Instead, no, he finds a comet that has the symbiotes on it and he brings them back and plot because he thinks that if he can merge us with them, we can then live in space and somehow have our happily ever after because the earth is, you know, going to be destroyed because we're having too many babies and climate change is bad. Something like that. I mean, that's the only thing that's explained in the movie and it's explained over and over and over and over again, because you have to understand he's bad. He's a sociopath. Yeah. We're killing people, but it's to make people better. So how can you, how dare you have an emotional reaction? And at one point, one of the symbiotes dies and he yells at the guards and the scientists, like, how did you let this happen? Like there's a dead human and a dead, you know, black snot ball on the floor. He's like, how could you let this happen? I mean, they are obviously the superior species and you let it die. Yeah. 
Yeah, they're obviously superior because they're a snot ball that has so far killed everybody that you put it in. I mean, he has absolutely no evidence for his claim that they're superior other than the fact that they lived in space. <laughs> and we have to live in space because, I don't know, reasons. Yeah, a lot of runtime is dedicated to Eddie Brock and his TV show and how he loses his TV show. And yeah, this is also one of those movies that feels like you can't tell that the characters are emoting unless you can see their faces, which is problematic when they're in a big black goose suit. So you have to have it unravel or be knocked off of him by magic tones that somebody plays over a PA system because she's a techno wizard, even though we've really given her no reason to be a techno wizard, except for she had a laptop that had things on it. Um, like they, they, they do nothing to establish like the real hero of the movie, which is Eddie Brock's ex fiance who can just deus ex machina crazy sound at the drop of a hat so that the symbiotes have to flee the bodies that they're in. It's, it's bizarre, man. In the end, well, ending number one was weird. So in the first ending, it, it's nothing special. Like, Riot gets into the rocket, rocket's taking off, Venom uses one of Riot's weapons that he used to kind of almost kill Eddie, to cause the rocket to explode, they establish that, you know, the symbiotes can be destroyed by fire. We see fire envelop the rocket. Riot is dead. Venom turns into a parachute that catches fire. Eddie screams, Venom, no! Because, you know, they've not really had a relationship up to this point, but now they care about each other. So that's ending, ending number one. Eddie, Eddie saves the world. Ending number two is the funny reveal that Venom isn't dead and that, you know, Eddie isn't letting anybody know. They offer him his TV show back. He says no. He gets some funny lines between Eddie and Venom. Okay. Credits. Mid-credits scene. We meet Woody Harrelson as Carnage before he's Carnage. In a Silence of the Lambsy thing. Credits. We get an, a clip from Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Okay. So I'm not going to talk about the Into the Spider-Verse thing because that's a whole separate movie and I haven't seen the full film yet. I will say it looks good. I want to see it. Not really in a place to go to the Pain Palace, especially with the cold, to see a movie. But it's high on my list. I do definitely want to see it. But that's a whole other thing. The Woody Harrelson Carnage scene, to me, felt like the, oh look, Kesh is a member of the Misfits at the end of Gem and the Holograms. If you remember the Gem and the Holograms movie. It felt overly optimistic that they were going to get to do a sequel, but people paid good money to go see this. And so it probably will get at least one, if not two sequels. 
And that's why I titled this episode Venom and the Future of Film. Venom is one of the weakest attempts to do a superhero movie I have seen in a very long time. It does not... It somehow finds a way to not take its subject matter seriously and to be an overly self-serious film at the exact same time, which is in and of itself a colossal feat. The special effects work is unimaginative at best and not well executed at worst. The storyline really kind of plods on. Like, the beginning of this movie is slow and plodding and really designed to make you care about Eddie Brock while at the exact same time giving you absolutely nothing to care about when it comes to Eddie Brock. It establishes the characters, it establishes the setting, it establishes a weird world. It does nothing. Like, the entire film does nothing. But I said I enjoyed it, and I do. But you have to remember, I am am particularly fond of trashy, really bad, bad action movies like that's one of my favorite things in the world is a really bad action movie i was a huge fan of burt reynolds films (laughs) you know what i'm saying like i like a bad action movie like i like runaway and if you don't know what that movie is that's a tom Selleck, liza minnelli gene simmons from kiss yeah he plays the villain horrible Horrible action flick from the 80s, and if you haven't seen it, Gene Simmons is a computer genius who uses computers to try to kill Liza Minnelli for reasons that I'm not sure are ever explained in the movie. I think it's Liza. I'm starting to question if it was Liza Minnelli. I think it was Liza Minnelli. At any rate, it's a weird, weird, stupid, trashy, terrible movie, and I enjoy watching it so much. I like old Dolph Dolph Lundgren movies. So, you know, I'm not really one to judge on this. But I I have to say that, you know, we have made so many strides with superhero flicks over the years. And making them into actual stories with actual characters that you can actually care about. And I am concerned that the success of Venom will make a lot of people at DC sit back and go, well, that made money. Why, why don't ours? And it will encourage them to continue to put as little effort as necessary into making these movies happen. Like this really felt like the B movie of superhero movies. Like the budget did not feel sufficient for the characters that they wanted to use in the story that they wanted to tell. When you have the monster goo fight at the end, it's pointless. I mean, you can't tell who's Riot and who's um, Venom until, you know, the deus ex machina sound thing happens. It, 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 it doesn't work on so many levels. But it made money. There will be more. People like me who like dumb action movies will be fine with it, but I I am concerned what this portends for the future of said dumb action movies. 
because yeah I think we may have established a template here for how to do a bad dumb action movie with a stock plot right out of the 80s I mean this is that's why I said you know er, earlier you know I would warn before I did spoilers but if you've ever seen an action movie then this movie's been spoiled for you because it just hits the beats perfectly one after the other after the other and doesn't do anything with them but it was better than fine like I'll if you like that kind of trash like I do check it out if you haven't already don't expect it to be a good movie don't expect it to be a great movie it's got some really funny parts to it anytime Eddie Brock and Venom have time together like I want so much more of that in the next movie because that that those were the best scenes in the movie was basically Tom Hardy talking to himself so yeah please more of that and actually give us a plot next time thank you if you enjoyed this episode um thank you if you are able to rate this podcast in whatever app you're listening to me in please do so that really helps me out a lot that tells the algorithms to share me with other people if you have a dollar that you can pass my way um you'll see either a button that says support or in the show notes there's a link that says support on anchor if you click that you can support at the one dollar five dollar or ten dollar a month levels that really helps me spend more time doing these podcasts which you can tell I really do like doing because I'm very sick and I'm still doing them because it's something that I really like doing. <laughs> so if you can support that way, please do. That really does mean the world to me. If not, definitely share this with somebody else. Like I understand if money is hard, but you know, a share is free. So that helps me reach more people and grow. If you liked to suggest a topic or ask a question or something download the anchor app at anchor.fm follow project shadow on there and you'll see a voice message button show up if you click that you can leave me up to a one minute message and keep it clean it can be a question a comment or a topic you'd like me to discuss on the show and if it's good i will use it i've used them in the past and i really do enjoy doing that um, if you want to talk to me on social media, Twitter's best. I'm CE Dorset on Twitter. You can find links to all of my social media accounts at projectshadow.com. And yeah, if you want to support everything that I do, you can check out my Patreon at patreon.com slash CE Dorset, though I need to rework that. And I'm in the process of reworking that for the new year because I've got a lot of projects in the works. Anywho, I think that's it. Until next time, when hopefully my cold is better and my head is clearer, don't forget, have the fun. Bye.